that says God is going to bring in what he intended in the first place, a brand new creation with a new city, and everything's going to work the way it's supposed to, but it's not here right now. And I feel the struggle inside when I see everything all messed up, but I believe that it's coming. And because I trust that God is going to bring it in, I have hope now. I love that way this verse ends. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Discouragement comes easily when we read the newspaper or hear the stories of tragedy. It's easy to let the pain and trials of the world get us down. Pastor Daniel will tell us today, though, that these things aren't what God intended for the world. We may grieve the evil we experience, but we need to also allow the hope of the gospel to fill us with joy in the midst of it. We know Jesus is coming back to redeem the world, and we'll join him for eternity. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 65 with part three of his message, Our Forever Home. God's intention was never that there would be death. But on this earth that we live in as it is, death always follows on the heels of life. Whether we like it or not, we're all under this reality that I'm one breath away from the end of this life. That's not like morbidity. That's just reality, right? Nobody can say for sure how long that they have. And so that is not the way God intended it. Death entered the world when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And Satan says, no, you won't. Nope. It ain't going to happen. But sure enough, they ate. And in that very day, remember they made their first attempt at fashion, little fig leaves, you know? And God said, no, 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 no. And an animal died that day. The first time death ever happened was that day when God said, I'm gonna cover you. Wow, that's a picture, of course, of Jesus's work. But this whole idea is, I mean, whether it's a child, an infant who dies way too early for whatever, you know, we, you know, we call it sudden infant death syndrome. We have these things whether it's that or an old man who has not fulfilled his days. So whether it's someone who's an infant or somebody who's well advanced in years, this is not supposed to happen. And then he goes on to say, for a child will live to be 100 and even a sinner who's 100 will be accursed. Now, you're like, well, what does 100 mean? So in their culture, you have to realize if you look at lifespan throughout history, in the book of Genesis, people lived a long time. And then very quickly, people began to live much less as sin became more it was proliferating and growing through society. Around the time of Jesus, people only lived to be in the upper 20s and the early 30s, by and large. That was the lifespan. Now, of course, once you hit the scientific revolution and the advances in modern technology, like people started to learn, like you shouldn't drink water that is freestanding or there's human excrement in it and all these things. All these, you know, and of course you have all these now hand sanitizers that will kill everything, including you, you know, and it's like you have all these things that go on, but it has helped to elongate our lives. So now the average lifespan is in the 60s or so. But, you know, we have people who live much longer. But to live to be 100 in a time span when people live to be 30, 35 years old, that's a huge lifespan. 
So the idea is that instead of it being that everyone dies, now it's like you're going to live a huge, long, a longer life than you ever imagined. Maybe if that was written today, it would be you'd live to be 200 years old, right? So the idea is that death won't be always following on the heels of life. And not only that, in verse 21, it says, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. So all of this, if you've studied the book of Deuteronomy with us, you found that the blessings of God for the children of Israel is that they would be in a place of safety and stability that they could plant a vineyard and actually eat of its harvest. They could build a house and actually live of it. But if they rejected God, they would build a house and someone else would live in it. They would plant a vineyard, somebody else would eat of its fruit. So the idea here is that now in this new, beautiful future that God has, everything will work the way that it was intended to work. Now, what's hard for us when we start thinking about this is about what God does. He realized that we have no reference point in our lives to understand this. Because you all realize you've always lived in a world where everything doesn't work as it's intended to. Isn't it true? I mean, like, let me give you some examples of this, right? How many of you guys enjoy all the pharmaceutical commercials on television, right? I love this. It's like, you don't like how thick your hair is. Well, take this pill. It might induce seizures, you know, uh, jaundice, and discoloration of the skin, but at least you'll have nice full hair. In the world that we live in, that's not the way God wants it. But what goes on is that we live in a day and age where we try and fix one thing and we break another thing. Right? Isn't it true? It's like, so we're going to fix this thing, but when we fix this thing, this thing breaks. We fix this thing, and this thing breaks. I think about my grandfather. I love him so much. My grandfather, Anthony, he's 93 years old. So about 15 years ago, my grandpa needed two new knees. So he went and he got his, his new knees. And my grandpa, you're bionic now. He's like, watch out. You know, but you realize that you, you go to get a double knee replacement surgery. That's a big deal. And obviously the uh, recovery period was very challenging for him, but I'll never forget it. After he got the two new knees and he went through the recovery period, well, we went to see him and my grandfather, God bless him. You know, he, he went to the Italian American club. So, you know, that I'm all Italian. So that's how that goes. So the, all the Italians in the Northeast, when they retire, they moved to Florida and then they like to set up like little Brooklyn, you know what I mean? So all, they're all together and they all talk with their hands, they're all loud. And they have all like the old songs. I mean, I mean, they're not old songs for some of you, they're your favorite songs, but like Sinatra, Dean Martin, you know, the Rat Pack. It's like, those are our uncles. And so that's how that all works. And so sure enough, my grandpa grabs my grandma and they're like dancing around. And I didn't realize that my grandpa was like Fred Astaire's nephew or whatever, because my grandpa had some moves and I'm just like, look at grandpa go. And I'm like, well, he's got these bionic knees, you know, I'm thinking, but as I'm watching my grandpa dance, I notice that my grandpa's pants are like too high, you know, and it's like, and you can see his socks and everything. And I'm like, and I'm like watching this. I'm like, what's going on with this? You know, so when my grandpa gets back, when my grandpa gets back, I'm like, grandpa, you were dancing with grandma. I mean, you were so smooth. I didn't realize you had those moves. You know, I'm like, but what's up with your pants? And he's like, you'll never believe what happened when I got my new knees. I grew by three quarters of an inch. He's like, all my pants are the wrong size. I got to let them all out now. And I started laughing. I was thinking about how the way we live now, we fix one thing, we break another thing. So my grandfather's got great new bionic knees, but now all of his pants don't fit the right way, you know? And that, isn't that how it goes in our lives right now? 
It's like you go to the doctor and, the, and your doctor's like, man, doctor, I got indigestion. And he's like, okay, here, take this pill. And he takes this pill and all of a sudden you're like, I can't hear anymore. <laughs> right? And some of you guys, like, you're real serious about this. As I am, like, I, I got to get my life together. I get one thing right and then something else goes out of balance. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so I got, I got my eating down, but now I, I just sleep in every day. So I don't get up and have a quiet time. Or so You got all these things. And that's the way it is in the world that we live in. You fix one thing, you break the next thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's right. It's like at some point you say, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, forget it. You know, I actually know somebody who they have a beautiful yard and they take their yard so seriously that anytime a weed pops up, they actually paint that weed with weed killer, like with a little brush. God bless them, right? But you know what the problem is? No matter how many times you paint that weed with a little ortho or whatever, another weed grows back. And that's the world we live in. But I say all that to say, that's the only world we know. But that is not the only world that there is. And this text tells us that in this beautiful future that God has for us, there is going to be a world where things work the way God intended it to work. And I want to read you a passage because the Apostle Paul picks up on this. I'm going to read you. It's an extended passage. I realize when a pastor reads a long passage in the Bible, most of us tune out a little ways. But I want you to track with me on it because what Paul says is so powerful that I'm going to unpack it for you, and I'm going to show you why it's important that we look at this. Because what do we do in a world where everything's kind of busted, and when we try and fix something, something else breaks, and what does it do to us, and how should we live? So listen to this. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. And try and stick with me, okay? It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay, ready? I'm going to keep going. It says this. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, I'm going to unpack this. This section is so powerful for what we're talking about. Because he starts by saying, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. He's saying, look, all the stuff that you're going through right now, it is suffering and it's real and it's your life, but it's not even worthy to be compared to what's coming, right? This beautiful future where things will be as God intended, that's what's coming. We need to get our eyes on that. But then he tells us, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty 
of the children of God. So what this says is this. The suffering that we're experiencing, it's not only us. It's not only humans. It's all of creation. Everything that is created right now is broken. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the nature channel. Like in our house, it's so funny. So our daughter, Maranatha, she's nine, you know. And so Maranatha's a big fan of Bethany Hamilton. You guys know the movie, The Soul Surfer? I don't want to ruin it for you, but tough. Um, or cover your ears. Spoiler. It's like, so she's a professional surfer. And then all of a sudden there's a vicious shark attack and she loses a limb. And the movie is literally about this woman who overcomes such a great tragedy. Now we love those stories because I want, we live in a world where people don't know how to be persevering. So we love perseverance stories with our kids. We love it. We want them to learn that, listen, yes, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And if you just keep showing up, amazing things will happen, even if you don't think it can. Right. And so we want that for our kids. So it's about a shark attack. And so sure enough, that led to like my kids watching like every documentary on sharks you can find on Netflix, which you'd be surprised how many of them there are, you know? And so my kids, you know, they see this stuff. And then of course, because Annabelle's little, she'll be like, you know, you go to someone's pool and she'll be like, is there a shark in that pool? And I'd be like, listen, there's not a shark and a little doughboy in the middle of Vancouver, Washington. You're fine. And she oh, okay, you know? But I have to remind them, you know, like sharks attacking other fish, That's not the way God intended it. But that's the way it works right now. You turn on the nature channel, the survival of the fittest that goes on, that's real. But that's not the way God intended it. It all shows the brokenness of the cosmos. All that God, it's all broken and it's been broken long before we got here. So all we know is life in brokenness. But then it says this, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. Now, I've never had labor pains. But we've had three babies. My wife did, and I get to claim them as my own, you know. But labor pains are challenging, hurt, they're violent, but they get the job done. Like, I remember when Lynn and I, we went to Lamaze class. Now, I know that Lynn's doing all the heavy lifting here, so I'm like, okay, I'm in, you know, like, I'm all in. And I remember when she went into labor with Obadiah, I'm like, okay, baby, we're going to breathe. Remember? And my wife looks at me, nicest woman ever. She's like, stop. And I was like, oh, okay. I had all the breathing techniques down. Lynn's like, yeah, none of that. None of them. We're just going to get this. And so the idea, like all of creation is having labor pains right now. Like everything, it's like everything that goes on, every time an earthquake happens, every time a hurricane happens, every time that happens, that's creation saying, this is another labor pain for the birthing of this new heaven and new earth, this beautiful future where everything will be the way that God intends it. And we need to grab hold of that reality because not only is all of creation having these groanings and labors and birth pangs, but it's also inside of each one of us as well. So every time you look at the world and you say to yourself, this is not the way it's supposed to be, which should be often, that is your heart groaning for Jesus to come back and usher in this new heaven and new earth. But Paul doesn't stop there. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road for most of us. Because here's the deal. 
Because things are not working the way God intended it, there's so much groaning that what happens is, is now people are starting to get hopeless. They're getting angry. They're getting discontented. And they're frustrated. And it's everywhere, isn't it? But listen to what Paul says. Powerful. That's why I love the Bible. Listen to this. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So here's the question. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, are you a person who is hopeful? Or are you just frustrated and angry? What I believe is, I believe that hope is a choice. You know how I know? Because Paul tells us that we should abide in faith, hope, and love. That's a decision you make. It's a decision that you make that says God is going to bring in what he intended in the first place, a brand new creation with a new city, and everything's going to work the way it's supposed to, but it's not here right now, and I feel the struggle inside when I see everything all messed up, but I believe that it's coming, and because I trust that God is going to bring it in, I have hope now. I love that way this verse ends. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, note the example I love to use of this. And Amazon ruined my example with the Prime. You can get whatever you want in three days. But let's go pre-Prime, okay? Because you know when Amazon says it'll be there in three days, somehow, you know, they, it shows up. It's like they built it at your doorstep and it's there right on three days. But before, remember when you'd order something in the mail, you know? And it's like, you knew you ordered it, so you're waiting for it, right? But you know it's coming, so you get excited about it. And because you're excited, what do you do? Keep looking in the mailbox, right? You're like, you know, okay, the, the mailman comes at this time. You run there, you know what I mean? Long before you can just look online, it's been delivered, you know? So they ruined my analogy. But the idea is you know it's coming and you're excited about it. So you're, there's an eagerness there and you keep showing up in the mailbox until you get the thing, right? Like, remember I told you about Maranatha? She loves Bethany Hamilton. So we put up like a little doughboy pool in her backyard and Maranatha's like, I gotta surf. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, surfboard in like a little five-foot pool. So she's like, I got a boogie board. Right? And so now Maranatha's like standing on a boogie board in a little four-foot pool. It's awesome to watch. My house is high comedy. You just don't even know, you know? But I remember she's like, I ordered it. She's like, mommy ordered it to me. She ordered it for me. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, did the mail come? I'm like, she just ordered it, man. You know what I mean? But she's a right now girl. She's, you know, she knows how it goes. She's like, what's well, going to be here in three days? You know what I mean? And every day she's like, it's going to be here tomorrow. It's going to be here tomorrow by four. It's going to be here by four o'clock today, you know? There's a perseverance, and right as that thing showed up, Maranatha's got that thing out. She's like in there trying to figure out how to surf with no waves, freestanding water on a boogie board, you know? But this idea of eagerly waiting for it with perseverance. So here's the thing. You got to ask yourself, are you eagerly waiting with perseverance, full of hope for what God is going to do? Or are you allowing yourself to succumb to the hopeless, angst-filled malaise of the day and age we live in because everyone knows this is not how it's supposed to be. Everyone knows it. Doesn't matter what you believe about life, God, everyone knows this is not the way it's supposed to work. But what's going on is the church is supposed to be the vehicle of hope in this world, but too many of us are more like the world than we're like followers of Jesus. We've bought the lie 
that this life is all there is, and now all it is is cloudy skies. And then you bring that cloudy skies into your jobs, into your marriages, into your situations, and instead of being people who are eagerly waiting for the redemption that God has promised, that Jesus inaugurated, we are living in an alternative reality that has nothing to do with Jesus. Isn't it true? We should be the most hopeful people because we know that God is going to do this. He's promised to do this. Now, look at how this chapter closes and this message will close. It says this in verse 24 of Isaiah 65. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. So we've seen that we have a beautiful future coming. It'll be as God intended it. And you know what God intended? You know what we learn in these verses here? There'll be no more pain. It started at the end of verse 19. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now it's, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. This is a huge thing that causes pain in many of our hearts, is that we pray and we ask God to do things, and God doesn't do them immediately. God's timing is not what we would have it to be. Right? And so that creates a lot of struggles for many of us. Now he says that at that point when this whole thing comes to its culmination, before they call, I already have answered. While they're speaking, I'm, it's all just going to be instantaneous. And not only that, he starts talking about the lion and the lamb feeding together. Notice it doesn't say feeding on one or the other. The lion shall eat straw and the ox. See, this reminds us of Isaiah 11 verses 6 to 9 where it says the same thing. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, a cow and the bear shall graze, the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den." They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the seas. Remember I said that there's no more pain? See, in all of these examples, these are things that would not be wise or permissible in the day and age we live. If you have a lion with an oxen, if you have a wolf with a lamb, one of them is getting killed. Anybody who would let their kids play in a cobra hole is not fit to be a parent in this day and age. But the idea is that there's coming a day when it's as God intended it and there'll be no more pain. Jesus is real. There's so much more than just this life. As Pastor Daniel shared in today's message, we're only here on earth for a short time. If we're devoted followers of Jesus, we'll eventually enter the next eternal life that will be free from pain and strife. We can't allow ourselves to take comfort here then. Instead, we need to eagerly look forward to the next, much better life while sharing the hope of the gospel everywhere we go. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. 
And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio as Pastor Daniel teaches us the importance of stepping into service for the kingdom of God. We each have a unique purpose in this world and it involves spreading the good news of Jesus in practical and loving ways. His life is the model we need to take on. Whoever Jesus loved, we need to love. The world will be watching as we fight for justice and truth, and Jesus will be revealed. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.